We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Well, one thing that is not starting up in New York City this week is a strike by the Dormans Union, the Dormans Union, Local 32BJ of the Service Employees International Union. It represents 3,000 workers. 3,000 apartment buildings in New York City. They'd been set to, uh, their their contract was supposed to expire tomorrow, Wednesday. And what would you have to have done, done, all of you Upper East Siders? Opened your own door. (laughs) Oh, God. No, I'm totally joking. Um, uh, You know, in my office building in Manhattan, um, we have some great doormen, and they serve an, an absolutely vital function in terms of the traffic in and out of the building in terms of helping those in need, people with disabilities, and just keeping an eye on the precious real estate that we have in New York City. So I am glad that the union uh, reached an agreement. The door, uh, just to be clear, it's the guys and women who open our doors and keep an eye on our buildings here in New York City. There has been a strike that was avoided. Supposed to happen tomorrow. There hasn't been a strike in 30 years. Um, and that's a good thing. They obviously they reached terms with the city. Um, speaking of terms, reaching terms with the city, the mayor has reached terms with the city to, um, or I should say, the city uh, residents. That would be us to release his tax returns. Uh, a mayor, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, a mayor is not obligated to uh, release his or her tax returns. We could all remember there was a big issue with the president of the United States, President Trump, uh, refusing to release his tax returns, although it's pretty typical typical for a president to release um, his tax returns. I don't have to say his or her because there's not a her yet. Um, Michael Bloomberg, who was a self-made billionaire, what he did was he would allow reporters to sit and look at his tax returns, but certain portions of it were redacted. And he didn't like release them in a very public way. It was just whoever wanted to come see them, they had to go in a special location where they could spend time there and take notes on them, but they wouldn't see what they actually were. Uh, Mayor de Blasio, who I don't think he had too much to hide in his tax returns because I don't think he's got a lot of money or ever made a lot of money. Um, he just turned over his tax returns. Probably Ed Koch probably did um, the same thing because you know th- these are guys uh, who 
really have never worked in the private sector. You know, Rudy Giuliani was in private practice as a lawyer when he, after he left the U.S. Attorney's Office and ran for mayor and lost the first time, he was in a law firm. Um, you know, it's when you work for the government, your tax returns aren't that hard. Uh, when you are in private, in the private world, something depending on what world you're in, they could be very difficult. Uh, I have a friend who's also a client who's in the world of real estate. And basically every building that he owns has its own, what's called K1, uh, which is it's basically like its own business. So when you own several buildings and possibly dozens of buildings, in addition to your tax return, there's a tax return for each one of those entities. And your tax return could be 100 pages uh, easily. Because each one of those um, buildings is viewed as its own business and it's scrutinized as a standalone, although you, the individual who owns the building, would be held liable if there was any tax consequences. Uh, so the mayor, Mayor Adams, initially said he was not going to release his tax returns, but now he has uh, reversed course and said, yeah, I'm going to release them. I'm curious to see what they what they have to say. Um I do think, you know, when you're in public service, you are releasing everything to the public. Um, there's not, you're, you're, you're giving up your privacy. That's why I guess it's called public service. Um, and I understand why people want uh, their tax returns private. I think that's probably the norm that people aren't looking to throw their tax returns all over the place. Uh, it's a, I think it's a second probably maybe to your health or maybe first to your health. Let's face it, we live in a society where finances to a large degree define us. Uh, the first thing I would say to define us is our appearance. Uh, and that's what I always tell at this point, I, only only Luca, he's the only one who I feel can really absorb the, the concept of the, the first impression, right? Uh, Andre Agassi had that big um, commercial for Canon. You only get one uh, opportunity to make a first impression. That is true. Um, that's why I always try to be dressed appropriately. And let me tell you something, folks. You don't need to spend a lot of money to look great. You really, really don't. Um, don't knock the guy on the corner selling the ties for five bucks. You have all seen plenty of photographs of me with pictures of those $5 ties on. And I get compliments on them all the time. So I would say the first thing you're judged by is how you look. But does that tie into your finances? It does. Because people assume when I'm wearing a $150 or $200 suit, like, oh, what is that, a $2,000, $5,000 suit? No, no, it's not. But it, it's all tied in. And I would say our, our finances, I mean, I know more about my friends and colleagues' health than I know about their finances. But, you know, when you get on the other side of 50, and by the way, by the I'm thinking of it, happy birthday to my buddy uh, Sid Rosenberg from uh, Dover, D- over on WABC. He's uh, right, right ahead of me. He's 55. I'll, I'll be there in, in December. Um, but when you get on the other side of 50, you know, you start having these interesting conversations like, yeah, how's it going? Good. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. What's your blood pressure looking like these days? Oh, yeah. How's your cholesterol? Did you get your lipid uh, profile? Um, so I, I do have those conversations with my friends. I don't really have the conversations of, you know, what'd you look like? What, hey, what'd your 1099 look like? You know, how's that W-2 feeling for you? So uh, I can understand why initially Eric Adams, 
who I don't think ever had to, to disclose his tax returns, might be a little like reluctant. Your, your knee-jerk reaction is like, no, I'm not going to show everybody that. But you know what? When you're the mayor, sir, that's what you got to do. So I don't know if anybody cares or if anybody's interested, but um, we'll be seeing the mayor's taxes soon. Um, speaking of politicians and money, the um, lieutenant governor, now the former lieutenant governor, now is it former or is it ex? Um, when you resign, are you entitled to one title? And when you're fired, are you entitled to another? I don't know. Somebody can let me know the, uh, the rules on that. You can email me at arthur at abklawnyc.com, arthur at abklawnyc.com. When do you use former and when do you use X? Um, so is President Clinton the former president and is uh, President Nixon the ex-president? I don't know. Someone can help me out on that one. Um, but the lieutenant governor no more, Benjamin, he hired a great lawyer. He had a, a very good lawyer um, who was the, uh, he's the former chief of the Eastern District of New York. Um, and he dismissed him and he uh, hired um, Barry Burke, who represented Bill de Blasio when Bill de Blasio's um, finances when it came to politics were uh, came into question um mr burke all also barry burke also went down to washington dc and i believe was on uh, the side of the democrats helping in his capacity as an attorney um in one of the two impeachment trials of president donald trump but he's a, a lawyer who is really capable is such an understatement he's just his, his reputation is impeccable and he came out and said look you know this is a case i i don't know if he used the word flimsy or the journalist who wrote the story used the word flimsy but the point is is that this is not a case where a politician is putting money into their own pocket i believe the theory of the government is that yes he's not he wasn't putting money into his own pocket directly but he was putting money into his campaign's pocket by when he was in his capacity as the state senator, he was giving a real estate guy um, city contracts and city money and, and giving him um, benefits based in his position of being a state senator. And in return, the quid pro quo was that uh, they, the, the real estate guy was making up um, fake people to donate to his campaign. Uh, I believe his name was Gerald Migdal, and um, he now has cooperated, uh, and he's the the main witness against Lieutenant uh, Governor Benjamin. And, you know, Lieutenant Governor is a big position. (laughs) The last Lieutenant Governor uh, became Governor, and two before that became Governor. Um, So uh, that's a case to be watched in my world. Um, so in our world, something that's coming online relatively soon is legal marijuana, pot, weed, cannabis, um, and the Idala Power Hour is prepared to tackle it. So we have, um, on, on our very next segment, we have Senator Diane Savino, who was an author of the cannabis bill, and she is going to give us the lowdown.
Let's give it up for Connors and Sullivan. Those are the great attorneys who can help you prepare for the future. When? Now. Now when you're healthy. When you don't need, when you think you don't need a power of attorney. When you think you don't need a healthcare proxy. That's the time to address it, right? You don't like wait until your car is busted on the side of the road to get help. You do it beforehand. It's called a preventative measure. You know what I did today? I went to the dermatologist as a preventative measure. There was nothing wrong with me. I just wanted to get checked out. Well, you and the doctor continued to say there's nothing wrong with me. That's a good feeling, especially when you're a bold man and your head is a solar panel. So what you should really do is take the time now that you're healthy and there's no stress to call Connors and Sullivan. Ready for the number? 718 The fact is, if something happens, you might not be able to designate a power of attorney or a healthcare proxy. If, If out of nowhere you catch an illness, you don't want the state to be involved. You don't want the government to be involved. You don't want doctors making decisions for you. You want to have the documents, a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy in your possession, in a loved one's possession, so they could use if you're ill. And you want to get those documents together when you're healthy. So call Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law. They've been doing this for 40 years. They will help make you make a plan that protects you best. You'll designate who you want to make decisions for you. 718-238-6500. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2. Someone who doesn't smoke two joints in the morning and at night and then in peace and in war is State Senator Diane Savino, who is a friend, but is someone who I am so proud of as a an Italian American ambassador, um, not only in this city but in this state. Uh, and I think her long tenure in Albany is coming to a close by her own choice. But let's hear it from her. Welcome to the Idala Power Hour, Diane Savino, the senator from Brooklyn and Staten Island. How are you, ma'am? I am. I am well. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're always invited. You're always invited. So, first of all, do me a favor, just for the people, the the three people who may not know who you are, just give them that. Give them the the one minute version of the great Senator Savino. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I can do it in one minute, but uh, for those who don't know me, I have been. 
privileged to represent the 23rd District of the State Senate uh, for the last 18 years, and that is the North and East Shores of Staten Island and parts of South Brooklyn, including Coney Island and Brighton Beach and parts of Jensenhurst and Bay Ridge. And over the years, it's also included the communities of Sunset Park and Borough Park. It's changed somewhat um, over these many years, but largely it's, you know, uh, the parts of Brooklyn that we call fun. <laughs> there you go. Of course, so I'm you, Staten Island. So, Diane, you have, um, you have your fingerprints all over the, the cannabis bill here. So, and there's so many rumors and there's so many question marks. So the reason why we need you here is to kind of give us the scoop. Tell us what is happening when, on what timeline, and what it's going to look like in New York City. Well, it's, 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 we're in an exciting point. Um, uh, as you know, author, I authored the medical cannabis law back in 2014, making New York the 23rd state in the country to adopt a medical cannabis program. Uh, and ironically, it was right in the middle of the opioid abuse crisis, so uh, it wasn't easy to get it done. I was working with a governor who, you know, talked the talk, but really didn't believe in the program, and in fact uh, made it one of the most restrictive programs in the country. And over the next seven years, uh, we had to really work very hard to bring it forward so it meets the needs of patients and makes it more flexible for providers and healthcare, healthcare community. Uh, all at the same time as working with some of my other colleagues, the, the lead sponsor of the bill in the Senate was Senator Liz Kruger and then the Assembly, Assemblywoman Crystal People Stokes to make New York uh, the next state, one of the next states to adopt adult use. Since that time, 39 states now have medical cannabis and 17 states have adopted adult use. Um, and so what we have now, though, because the federal government is, I, I can't explain where they are. It's really yeah, and I'm a, I'm a criminal lawyer, and I, I'm a criminal lawyer, and I can't explain it either, and I, I should be able to explain it, but go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, it, it's absurd. I mean, you know, they say the states are the incubator of ideas, but at what point do they realize that this is almost the law of the land? So, again, we have 39 states with medical programs, 17 states and counting that have adult use, and the federal government continues to treat marijuana as a dangerous substance, as dangerous as LSD and heroin, if they schedule one substance. Yes, I'm, 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 well aware, I'm well aware of that. Is a schedule two, right? It's, right, it's and that's a, killing a lot crazy. more people. So yeah, tell us, so what, you know, tell, give me a timeline. When when are people, you know, there's there's shops popping up. Somebody told me there's a, a truck in front of their house in, in Manhattan that's selling marijuana right off the truck. I don't think any illegal. of that is legal. Right. I was going to say, I don't Not think any of that is legal. Right. Okay. Nothing legal about it. So I'll, let's walk you where. So in New York State, what, what we did is we adopted a law last year that says uh, personal use of marijuana, up, up to three ounces of personal marijuana, is decriminalized. But it is not legal to buy or sell marijuana in New York State unless you are purchasing it from a licensed dispensary. And as of today, the only licensed dispensaries are medical dispensaries. So those trucks you see in these cannabis uh, gift shops that, that are popping up, the clubs, the sticker stores, uh, they're all operating illegally. They pretend they're not, but they are. Uh, and we're trying, you know, we're going to be cracking down on that uh, very soon, issuing cease and desist orders, having the Department of Tax and Finance go after them, because you can't have a legal regulated market and ignore illegal activity. Uh, and so, well, we that's are, that's the biggest problem. I mean, I was yes. I was in I was in uh, Times Square uh, a week ago tomorrow, 
and uh, I was walking around with my son. I mean, the guy's just standing there on the corner with a clear Ziploc bag, and you could see they're all roll joints. And he's about to come over me. He sees I'm wearing a suit, and he, he like, and I'm wearing a Borsellino, and he's like, oh, maybe this is not the right guy. I should be asking if he wants to buy a joint. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was so obvious. There are uh, tables, like card tables that they're setting up in Washington Square Park, and they're, like, laying mm-hmm. it out there. Like, the way they, they lay out the counterfeit Gucci bags and Fendi bags, they're doing that, you know, in, right out in, in plain sight. And... um Hey, tomorrow night I'm having on as a guest because tomorrow's 420. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But um, my friend from high school, from Poly Prep, and he lives in the state of Washington um, in Bainbr- on Baybridge Island, and he has had a legitimate uh, retail store for years. And he said, listen, if you guys in New York don't crack down on the black market, the regular market is never going to work because of the taxes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have to charge more than than anyone's charging in a store. The overhead besides the taxes, and if 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 the NYPD and any all forms of law enforcement don't make selling cannabis illegally a big problem, then it's never going to work. Well, your 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 friends should speak to. Uh, our regulators. They should speak to our my colleagues in the legislature. You know, when I when I started working on medical, I wanted to see what worked in other places. So I got on a plane. I went to Colorado. I went to California. I visited other states that had adopt, had adopted medical programs. I went to New Jersey, uh, which had you know created the worst program up until uh, then, because I wanted to see what worked and what didn't. What could we borrow? What would make sense? Because you didn't want to replicate what didn't work. And the one thing I learned was is it, you know, you had to find a way to make sure that you were going to be able to compete with what is an incredibly sophisticated illicit marketplace out there. You know, people don't go into the park and cop a bag of weed, you know, and, and, you know, in the dark anymore. You can sit home on your couch, you know, in your pajamas, on your cell phone. There's an app for it. Somebody will deliver it to your house. There's almost no risk. And so we have to realize that that's what we're up against. And people feel very comfortable buying marijuana illegally now. There's almost no stigma to it anymore. And we have to change people's behavior. We have to get them feeling more comfortable about going into a licensed dispensary, being willing to pay a little bit more because, yes, there will be a tax on it. But the tax should not be so prohibitive that we drive people back into the illicit marketplace. We also have to make sure that we we make people understand that the product they're getting has been tested, that they know its origins that it's not going to be potentially laced with some harmful substances. So it's a public awareness campaign. It's about changing the way people purchase marijuana and being able to do it openly in, you know, in the public square and then driving the black market out of, of you know, the, the public square at the same time. If we don't do it, your friend is right. We will be no more successful at controlling the illicit marketplace in Washington, Oregon, California, or any other state that has tried this. Well, uh, is there uh, any legislation that's being contemplated uh, about the, enhancing the criminal penalties for selling marijuana outside of a, a legal well, environment? Well, we did not decriminalize the sale of marijuana. We only decriminalized the personal possession of up to three ounces for personal use. So all of those original penalties are still in the statute. What we need to do is get our law enforcement and our district attorneys to begin to be willing to prosecute those cases. I have introduced legislation, though, that would crack down on these, what they call sticker stores and cannabis clubs, because they're, they're claiming that what they're doing is legal. 
And we challenged them and said, you show me where in the statute what you're doing is legal. But so what, what was the first thing you said? I heard you say cannabis club. What was the first thing you said? They called them cannabis clubs. So there, okay. there's a few of them in New York City. They call them the Empire Cannabis Club. So you don't buy marijuana. What you buy is a membership in the club. And so in exchange for your membership, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm giving them free advertising. In exchange for the membership, they give you marijuana. So they're claiming that they're not selling marijuana. Right. So, uh, so let me correct they're myself about what I said because you, you, you refreshed my recollection. What my friend was telling me was the truck that's in front of his house, they're not selling marijuana. There's a suggested donation yeah. for marijuana. So, you, <laughs> I mean, that's how they're, they're trying to scoop by. But I, I have to be honest with you. Uh, Senator Diane Savino, we're so lucky to have her on because she's probably amongst the top three most knowledgeable people on this topic in the state. Um, and I don't know who the other two are, but I'm just trying to be fair. <laughs> um, I, I think I think we really need to look at the penal laws. And yes, I, of, of course, the, the the prosecutors have to enforce them. But you know what? Then then whether it's the governor or the mayor has to call those five district attorneys, at least in the city, and call them in and say, listen, if you guys don't, we're, I know what you're trying to do, right? The whole legislature, especially the, the, the mayor is very focused on it, even though it wasn't his bill, is you're trying to empower people who haven't had the breaks in life. So you guys want to give the dealerships, as if I'm, I'll call them loosely, the, the stores, to uh, people who uh, people of color, to women, uh, people who have had, had, had criminal convictions uh, that have been either scrubbed or dealt with in some way or the other to empower them to give them a retail business if i'm wrong correct right. me that they were going to find actually finance the initial capitalization of it find them uh, properties to uh, work out of but if the guy right on the corner on his same block is saying hey i got the same stuff they got in there and they charge you ten dollars and i'm charging you seven it's never going to work so you are absolutely right and so uh, one of the one of the things that, you know, I've said to, uh, you know, our law enforcement partners, whether it's the state police or even the NYPD, when they say, well, you know, possessions, because they're looking at it from the person who's purchasing or, or obtaining it, this gifted marijuana. I said, forget about that individual. Yes, I recognize that we decriminalize marijuana for personal use up to three ounces, which is still a pretty hefty amount of pot. Like carrying yeah, it is. It's a lot. It's like a um, lot of pot. I said, but. That's not who you should be focusing on. That store, that club, that weed wagon that's driving around, they have way more than three ounces in their possession. And you need to ask them, where did they get it from? Where did they get that marijuana from? So it's going to require some cooperation with our law enforcement, uh, with our district attorneys, uh, and with our local governments. Um, And one of the things that the legislation I've introduced would do is say to these entities, these new so-called entrepreneurs, uh, if you engage in this activity and you are caught, you will never get a license in the state of New York. So, you know, proceed at your own risk, because many of them have said that they're looking to do this because they believe that they'll get shut out of the licensing. So they want to get in front of it. Well, try that and you'll never get a license in this state. We are looking to find a way to make sure that people who have been traditionally harmed Uh, communities that have been traditionally harmed by the war on drugs have first crack at these licenses. Uh, We're looking to find ways to help capitalize it. This is an extraordinarily expensive industry to get into, even more expensive to stay in. 
because you cannot go to traditional lending sources. If you're an entrepreneur, you cannot right, go to the bank. Right, a bank, you can't right, go a bank to will credit not unions. Right, can't go anywhere. So right. you need to have rich friends, which is why the industry is largely white and largely male, because that's where the money is. Uh, you know, they have access to venture capitalists. But we're trying to solve that problem. No other state has figured out how to do that. So we think the approach that we took in the state budget with you know a $50 million social equity fund matched with a uh, public-private partnerships uh, will will help solve that problem. And But again, it's not going to work if we turn a blind eye to the illicit marketplace and don't now, do anything to crack down on Have you heard... Now, let me ask you one. On, on that topic, in, a, in addition to giving them a, a location, right, whoever's going to be awarded these, these the, um, licenses, and giving them the capital... What kind of training? In other words, it's like you can't just throw someone who's never run a business before and be like, oh, yes. Oh, no, no, no. You- hold on. I'll to interrupt you. The, these particular licenses, these social equity licenses, will go to people who have a demonstrated experience in business. And not the marijuana business. In, in the retail business or running a business. That's one of the requirements because we do want people to be successful. We don't want to set people up to fail. Which so, has what, so, what, right, so what would you say? G- give me a, a, a hypothetical profile of someone uh, who would be awarded a license? Okay, a hypothetical profile would be an individual who has had a, a, a drug conviction in their background. Um, you know, we're not talking about drug kingpins here. We're talking about, you know, as you know, as a criminal attorney, uh, a lot of people had marijuana convictions in their background for small amounts of marijuana, you know, and, but it, you carry it with you for your entire life, and that can affect your ability to obtain a license uh, whether it's a, a barber's license or a real right. estate license. So we're looking at people who have been affected that way, who have had drug convictions in their background, not drug kingpins, not people who were major drug dealers. We're talking about low-level drug crimes. And then those individuals who turn their life around and are running small businesses, either in the retail sector or, or, or you know, some sort of small business and have an interest. Remember, not everybody wants to do this. The idea that there are there's going to be thousands of people who line up and do this, I, I think is an overstatement. This is a complicated industry to get into. Definitely. Um, and, and for my a variety friend, my, of reasons. My friend Steve Kessler, who will be on tomorrow with us, I mean, he's going to say the reason he made so many mistakes. I mean, he made so many, and, you know, he survived, and now he, they're, they're thriving. But, you know, people shouldn't get the idea that, um, you, you know, you there's so much money here. I mean, if you look at the difference between the pro- projections for cannabis money and projections for gambling money, it's not even the same ballpark. I mean, it really mm-hmm. isn't. The, the, the gambling uh, money income is just enormous. But, I mean, what Steve Kessler was like, look, I support my family, and, you know, we're, we're good, we're healthy, but, you know, no one is – should have the impression that, oh, I got awarded this cannabis license. You know, let me go challenge Elon Musk for to, to buy Twitter. Um, I mean, that's not how it's going to shake out. I, I would assume it's going to be comparable to owning a liquor store in New York City. Is that kind of it, what you're hearing? It probably, it probably will be. Um, hopefully not as restricted. That's another industry we really need to modernize. Uh, it's It dates back to the the era of prohibition. But again, if we're smart, we will look to what places uh, where things have gone right and where where it hasn't. So today, front page of the New York Times, there's a whole piece about Toronto. Toronto issued so many licenses that there are so many dispensaries there 
that they open and close almost as quickly, uh, you know, as one opens, another one closes. You cannot compete if, if you oversaturate the legal market. The state of Oregon did that, too. They issued so many licenses that they had so much legal product that the, the product price dropped, you know, you know, it just tanked. And that meant the state didn't derive any revenue from it. And then the black market skyrocketed. So right. you have to I believe. I believe in the state of New York, they do something with the ca- the check cashing places. You're only allowed to have a certain amount with a certain in, in a certain area. You can't have like right. you know three within ten blocks. Um, have you heard of any any of the food? Um, we're talking to New York State Senator Diane Savino, who is uh, is really on the forefront of the cannabis situation here in New York State. Have you heard anything about like um, restaurants selling pizza or desserts or anything of the like infused with cannabis? I know it's happening. Again, it is not legal. Um, At some point, we may get to uh, a situation where uh, there will be licensing of food products, which is not there yet. Listen, there's a lot of enterprising people out there. (laughs) I've been invited to plenty of these dinners. Uh, by the way, marijuana doesn't taste particularly good, but hey, why? You know, it's just you know, it's personal taste. Um, but it's important that we get a handle on this from a public health perspective, and and also from you know a, a you know a planning perspective. We need to know where the the entities are operating out of. Well, now um, that I'm, I'm about, sucking up. I'm sorry, but now that I'm sucking up all of your time, you know, you said sure. from a public health perspective. I hope you don't mind, Senator Sabino. No, not honest. at all. Okay. Um, I, I just blew through the the commercials. Uh, I'll probably get in trouble for that. But this is so fascinating, and it's so it's so topical and important. Um, what about the folks who you know? I live very close to Fort Hamilton High School in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And it really bums me out. I, the kids get off the bus at 8 o'clock in the morning, and they're smoking a joint. And then kids who are at very, very prestigious high schools, their parents are like, before they're walking in, they're all eating gummy bears loaded with cannabis. Mm-hmm. You've, do, you've done the studies. You've gone to all the different states. You know, what? Uh, California, the state of Washington, they've been doing this for a long time. I, the, the country of Amsterdam. What do we see as the long-term you know, effect of, of cannabis becoming a part of our society the way alcohol is? Well, Arthur, uh, this may come as a shock to you, but people have been smoking weed for, I don't, for as long, longer than you and I have been alive. Right, uh, I know. But, but it's, it's it, more, it's, now it's becoming more, like, it's something like, you know, a friend of mine said, who's my age, is like, my 17-year-old was like, Mom, you know, I, I need to get some weed. Can you help me? And she was shocked. That, you know, it's just not the way we grew up, right? I mean, you don't ask your parents, where do I go get weed? So it's, no, it's going to be a, an accepted you know. part of society. So, you know, if it becomes such an accepted part of society, do we know the long-term effects of, you know, people taking it just casually? I mean, look, look at how many people die because of alcohol and car accidents. What are the ramifications? So, I know the, the governor of, of uh, New Jersey is thinking about having a, a, a policy where, off-duty police officers who are carrying their weapons can't, you know, ingest uh, cannabis. So, what are we, what, you know, what are our fears? Let's talk about the the bad part of this. What are our, what's well, the negative aspect? Let's of this? all let's all start from the from the perspective that no state uh, who's legalized it either from for for adult use usage allows anyone under the age of twenty one to legally purchase marijuana. New York won't be an outlier on that either, right? Because, and, okay. and we match it to alcohol. Um, 
substance use disorder is real. We're not going to deny that. Um, marijuana, the research shows while marijuana may be habit forming, it is not physically addictive. And that may sound like a distinction without a difference, but it is, there is a difference. Uh, so what do we know about long-term use of marijuana? Well, there are lots of studies that can show, depending on which side of the debate point you're on, that it's dangerous. And other people will tell you that there's none, that the, that the long-term effects are no more dangerous than a person who you know, uses alcohol recreationally uh, as opposed to someone who becomes addicted to it. When we can figure out why one person has the, the capacity to become addicted to any substance or all substances, and another person can use uh, addictive substances without developing any dependency on them, I don't know, we'll finally, I guess, make real medical history. So th- I don't, I'm not sure if that's the answer to your question, but we, we can make policies um, that try and prevent young people from starting the use of substances that are mind-altering. And the only thing we can then do is try and provide good examples. So you're a parent. I'm not a parent. But, you know, I was a teenager once, and I'll be the first to admit that, you know, at the age of 15 and 16, I smoked pot. Um, I probably drank. You know, you have, the, you have the right to remain silent, uh, sir, ma'am. Right, okay, you have I'm the right listening. to remain Anything I, you say kind of will be held it. against you. Unlike, unlike other politicians, I don't pretend that I didn't smoke pot when I was a teenager. You didn't inhale? You didn't inhale? You did no, inhale? I inhaled it. I inhaled it. I outgrew it. It wasn't my, you know, wasn't my... The funny thing is I know my, a lot about marijuana. I don't like it. <laughs> it's not my... Not my it's, head. <laughs> it's interesting but, that we're making the joke about Clinton saying, you know, I smoked, right, but I didn't, I didn't inhale. Right. And you and I both think like, oh, President Clinton was like the president five minutes ago, um, and right. he wasn't. <laughs> and look, but look like, look how far we've come from, right. you know, a president not being able to admit that he inhales to, you know, it's, it's look, eventually, in the probably not too distant future, it will be uh, legal federally. Um, and I don't know. I, well, I, I think I'm I mean. Not- they just passed something in Congress, right? That they want to take it off of the controlled substance list. But but it it was passed on a party line vote, and the Senate won't take it up. And I want you to think about this. This is why I say it's the most ridiculous example of cognitive dissonance I've ever seen. Thirty nine states have medical marijuana programs. Seventeen states have adult use and counting. What that means is collectively you have three hundred and seventy plus members of Congress. Remember, there's four hundred and seventy five of them. 370-plus members of Congress live in a state that has a medical marijuana program or adult use or both. Their states are deriving revenue. They have, they have legal programs in their own home state. Right. And if you ask them, would you vote to legalize marijuana, they'll say, oh, I can never do that and go home. I've been to Washington. I've tried to lobby them. And, and well, you look at them and say, I don't understand that. <laughs> what do you mean you couldn't go home? Well, I did, I just no think sense. I think it's it's not as it, it's a, an easy issue, but maybe not that easy. Um, I really have to go. I'm in so much trouble. I know you're right. Jim, give me give me thirty seconds on what's next for uh, Senator Diane Savino in in the world oh, of uh, politics. Time will tell. Time will tell. I'm not ready to tell the world yet, but um, actually, what's next for Senator Savino? She has to go back to Albany and finish out the legislative session. There is still a lot of work to do. Uh, the budget was just a piece of it. Uh, we've got to figure out, you know, 
how to run the city school system and make sure the mayor has account has mayoral accountability in place. Uh, figure out the future of affordable housing. Uh, a whole host of things. So oh, just those li- just those priority. little things, huh? Just those little things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Senator Diane Savino, thank you so much for being so uh, gracious with your time. And you are truly a spectacular public servant. And I'm lucky to have been a constituent of yours for quite some time. And I'm looking forward to um, your, your next iteration in life, which I'm sure will be fantastic and I'm sure will serve the public. Why, thank you. Good talking to you, Arthur. Always happy right. to be around you. You're the best. Thank you so much. Ciao, Chief of the Amo. That was uh, New York State Senator Diane Savino, who has really been an outstanding public servant. I mean, so many things that she has helped us with, um, especially I remember her during Hurricane Sandy. um, And, you know, she's at the forefront of the world of cannabis. So you got it right from the source, folks. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. Now, knowing the culture of AM970, the answer, I don't believe there will be any cannabis products uh, distributed at the Salem Business Breakfast next Wednesday, April the 27th. Um, but it still will be fantastic. Um, they are making it better and better every day. Not only is Joe Piscopo broadcasting his show there with Al and Joe and Debbie um, and whoever else pops up, and not only will there be a, a delicious, appropriate breakfast served, but they put together a series of prize drawings for meals with your favorite AM 970 guests and ho- I'm sorry, hosts, um, including me. So Mike Gallagher, Mike Gallagher will host one of you um, after one of his daily shows. Maybe you could come up to the studio and watch the show. And then you go downstairs and somewhere for lunch in the financial district. And he's just a great guy, and he's going to be a wonderful guy to spend time with. Kevin McCullough and Hillary Kramer will host their winner and share their financial tips and advice. And go there, lay out your whole portfolio, and, and Hillary will tell you what to do with it. Valerie Delia will join Kevin McCullough with another dinner. Um, with a winner in all things travel. She'll help you plan your next vacation. And finally, whoever wants to hang out with me, whoever wins that prize, will go to the Friars Club. Yes, the storied Friars Club on 55th Street in New York City. Um, so bring your business cards. Get ready to shake some hands and schmooze. Wednesday, April 27th at Bergen Community College. It's in the morning. Go online and register at am970theanswer.com, am970theanswer.com. And a special thanks to our sponsors, MagnaFlood, Camp of the Woods, and Regency Wealth Management. Have you ever thought you'd like to buy and sell houses but didn't know how or where to get the money? My name is Ron Legrand, and over the past 40 years, I've bought over 3,000 houses without using my money or credit and taught thousands to do the same. Today, even in a virtual environment, we buy nice houses and nice neighborhoods using no banks, realtors, contractors, or other costly entanglements, and build huge cash flow and wealth without the hassle of tenants, all without credit and little or no money. You don't need a license or experience, and I'll show you exactly how it's done. Text RON to 99799, and I'll send you my free training. I promise I'll change the way you think about real estate and open the door to a new lifestyle that doesn't involve risk or rehabs and can quickly replace your current income. 
Text RON to 99799 and let me show you how to take your life back and build cash flow and wealth from your home. That's RON to 99799. Again, text RON to 99799. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. News. Opinion. Passion. This is AM 970. The Answer. We have sunshine and 47 degrees on this Tuesday afternoon. What's going on? We have the answer. Well, good news. A doorman strike in New York City is being averted. A tentative agreement has been reached. Here's Lisa G. with more. The Building Workers Union, representing 32,000 building service employees, which also includes porters and other service workers, reached a tentative agreement on Tuesday. At issue were vacation and sick days, along with health insurance contributions. The union had threatened to go on strike on Wednesday, which would have impacted more than half a million apartments. Lisa G., NBC News Radio, New York. Governor Murphy is renewing his push to get a package of gun safety bills through the New Jersey State Legislature. Scott Pringle has more. About a year ago, Governor Murphy proposed numerous gun safety bills. He says since then, more than 1,300 New Jersey residents have been shot. Day after day, members of our New Jersey family are being shot and killed. And it's outrageous that their state government in Trenton isn't doing everything it can to stem this tide of gun violence. One of these bills Murphy's pushing requires a gun safety course before a purchase. Another requires all guns be kept in a lockbox or gun safe. Murphy also wants a ban on the sale of 50 caliber firearms. Scott Pringle, NBC News Radio, New Jersey. Thank you, Scott. Taking a look at the traffic, 15 and 20 minutes at the outbound Holland Tunnel. 15 and 20 inbound from 1 and 9. 10, maybe 15 on the inbound side from the Turnpike Approach. 20 to 30 minutes outbound to Lincoln. On the inbound side, we're looking at 5 minutes, and it's a little bit slow. As you get through the toll plaza heading into the south tube, George Washington Bridge, about 5 to 10 for the inbound upper level. Cloudy skies, windy tonight, low 39, sunny, breezy tomorrow will reach a high of 60. Cloudy on Thursday, high 58, then sunshine as we wrap up the business week on Friday with a high of 66. More sunshine for Saturday, high 58. And now you know what's going on. I am Mike Barker on AM 970, The Answer. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-278. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I'm a retired firefighter, and I have been retired for about six years. I've had a lot of damage done to my body over the course of my employment, and I'm coming up on my first year anniversary of taking Balance of Nature. And I'm agile and energetic, and the doctors and the physical therapists are amazed. They're like, you don't even need us. I don't think I would be doing half as well as I'm doing if I hadn't had extra nutrition from balance of nature. 
to help my body heal itself. Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature right now. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com for more information or to place your order. Shipping is always free. And don't forget to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code BALANCE. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Need your attention just for a second. Coming up in a few days, you're going to hear us with our friends from Food for the Poor. They have been very, very active in helping Ukrainian refugees since the war broke out. And in fact, you're going to be able to provide 600 meals for a gift of only $150 for some mothers and children who don't have their husbands or fathers in their lives because they are defending their homes and their country. You're going to be able to join us. You're going to be able to make a difference. Many of you have asked, what can I do that will make a tangible difference for the Ukrainian refugees? Food is the number one item that they need, and Food for the Poor is expert at delivering it. Please join us in the days to come, but if you want to give a gift early, call right now. Call 855-919-4673. That's 855-919-4673. You can also give online at am970theanswer.com, but just call right now, 855-919-4673. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Sunday with my brother-in-law, Lawrence, and he goes, Dr. Haynes, he's been on the show, and he goes, uh, yeah, you know, I got to tell you, don't think this is the wrong way, but uh, the highlight of listening to your show sometimes is the music. He goes, you guys play some great tunes. I give Bat Sam Bolin, you get all the uh, credit. You want to take a bow? Uh, thank you. Yeah, that is my, my I'll take a virtual bow. Thank well, you, you actually don't get all the credit, because I did give you the long list. You gave me a long list. I mean, it helps, but it was just artists. It's up to me okay, well, to make well, the magic happen. That That is 100% accurate. And uh, I'm glad I didn't t- go through the painstaking task of writing the songs by the artist after I handed you the 11-page list. You go, you know I'm a DJ, right? <laughs> and all went, well, Matt, what did you think of uh, Senator Diane Savino? You know, I think it was a great interview. And obviously, it's, it's a model of what is going to soon to expect here in New York. But, I mean, the black market, like you said, it's offered everywhere here, at least in, in Manhattan. And we see, we're going to eventually see the residual effects of 
what this is going to do for the economy as far as what the high taxes, if it's really going to benefit us. But, you know, it's just added to the other stuff that's supposed to be going on to our taxes, such as gambling and the high price of cigarettes. Well, I mean, from everything we've looked at and we've examined on the show, the money coming in from cannabis is, is paltry compared to the uh, the gambling money. Um, so, I, I, look, I found Senator Savino to, I mean, she's knows her stuff. She's been doing this, as you said, since 2014, so it's eight years, and that's when the legislative medical marijuana laws got passed. I'm sure she was working on it before that. So she's got a decade of experience under her belt, and it was wonderful that she she joined us today. And tomorrow, kind of a different perspective. We're going to talk to an actual retailer, someone who actually, you know, supports his family um, running a store. And I don't want to give it away, but, you know, I mean, he's going to tell you initially all the mistakes he made and then how now it it works so that he can, you know, he he supports his family. I mean, he's living well, but we don't think that um, we shouldn't think that if you're one of the 52 people who got awarded the growing licenses the other day, um, you know, that's it. You're you're set for life. I mean, it's a job Um, running these retail stores is a job. You're not just going to be sitting there printing money. Um, the way maybe some of these gambling <laughs> websites do. Um, hot off the presses regarding all the masks. I know anyone who followed any of the news today it was all about the masks. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Where you can wear a mask, where you can't wear a mask. This just popped up uh, in the New York Times. The Biden administration says it may appeal, may appeal a ruling that voided a mask mandate on public transportation. Obviously, the key word here is may. So let's read the first paragraph. The Biden administration announced on Tuesday that it intends, it intends to appeal a Florida judge's ruling that struck down a federal mask requirement on airplanes, trains, buses, and other public transportation. Here's the other big word. If the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention decide that extending the measure is necessary. So where the fate of the masks and whether it's going to be appealed or not is now in the hands of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I'm just interested, curious, and I'll know I'll, I'll never get the answer. How much does the administration, the Biden administration, influence that decision? You think they say, listen, let's get the masks off because it's going to make the president more popular? Do you think they stay out of it 100%? Do they look at their base and their polling numbers saying, well, actually, people who love President Biden want the masks on? We don't know. Um, we don't know how it works, but if the uh, CDC says we want masks, they will appeal it and there will be an initial attempt at a stay and the net maps masks will go back on. But right now we could go maskless. It's optional. Do what you want to do. All right. Thank you. I really enjoyed today's show because I learned a lot and that's why I hope you listen to be entertained and to ed- be educated. We'll see you tomorrow. The preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi.